evening. Welcome to episode 117 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, recording on May the 16th, 2021. My name is Eric. I'm the host of the show, based in Southern Ontario, a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events, such as wasp attacks, and uh, started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian. I live on Vancouver Island, and it's surprisingly wasp-free. Uh, I'm a student preparedness, target shooter, and my farm's designated mediocre handyman. I'm Scott. Uh, I'm a frazzled new dad and do some EMS stuff. I split my time between southern and northern Ontario, and I don't believe that things will always be just as they've been, just because I want them to be. I'm Jeff. I'm based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, soon-to-be ham radio operator, and general handyman. Want to support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper podcast on the air? Buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper podcast t-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. We also want your feedback, good, bad, or stinging, or just <laughs> the topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback at pepperpodcast.ca. So those of you who are wondering what all the WASP uh, references are to, I've got about six or seven of them since I've walked into the office here. I don't know where they're coming from, but uh, I suspect Ian sent them. <laughs> Well, just part of yeah. the extra entertainment. So. <laughs> there was some choice words. I'm probably going to have to hit the explicit button for this episode. And uh, if my camera shuts off all of a sudden and you hear a bunch of cursing and swearing, well, you know what's happened. I've been attacked. And Ian's hit the big red attack button on his end. <laughs> but anyways, we've got some shaking content for you in this episode, not stinging. Uh, we're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since the last episode. Then we'll get into the main topic, earthquakes and their effects. So let's move into the news. All right. So uh, in, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, I'm sure everybody's heard about the Colonial Pipeline shutdown. I had an article from BNN Bloomberg. Basically said, uh, pipeline hacking will take days to fix. Well, as it turned out, it took more than a few days. Um, as a matter of fact, it is supposedly back online, yet they have another article that popped in and said it's going to be at least three or four weeks before some gas stations get their gas back. So three to four weeks shutdown, that's no, no laughing matter, right? No, it's not. No. Uh, Global News, of course, was late to the party. I think it was about a week after the pipeline shutdown that they decided to finally mention it. So I threw in a, a Canadian article on that one, which was, it made me kind of giggle. I was like, wow, guys, <laughs> it's, you guys are right on top of things. Um a little busy with COVID, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a, a pseudo distraction as well. But and I didn't think it was. I thought it was going to be a bigger deal than it was, but it actually turned out to be almost a nothing burger. But another mm -hmm. pipeline in Israel got hit with uh, from Hamas there during their little spat, spat in the Gaza Strip right now. So it seemed to be odd that a second pipeline in as many weeks had been taken out. Uh, but it's the one that basically supplies Israel with most of their gas. Because if you look at the shape of Israel, it's like a triangle at the bottom, and right at the very bottom is their one little port to the Red Sea. And they have a pipeline that runs from there, obviously, to the main population center, which is up towards Turkey. And, of course, that's the pipeline got taken out. So of course. I was like, oh, that's that's bad for them. But, I mean, by the same token, oh, hey, all's fair in love and war, right? So they're doing their thing. Um, anyways, and then the, finally, the third article I had, which was I thought was more humorous than anything, I found it extremely sad that the, uh, the finance people from Yahoo decided to put out an article that said, just so you know, uh, the government's put out a warning that you should not fill shopping bags with fuel 
and or hold on hold on laundry baskets why? was a good one what <laughs> shut why the not? front door we shouldn't be doing that what could go wrong with that brand new information yes welcome to the show alan is, is yeah. it because hey, of carbon alan. monoxide what's the well there's a carbon monoxide danger after it, it explodes in your trunk i suppose and catches your car on fire well what did um, that happen yeah. to that woman in south carolina Oh god! And it's funny thing is they showed one article at first, and I was like, "Oh, that's an old picture." I saw that years ago, and all of a sudden they came up with like fifty new pictures of people doing this, and it's like clear shopping bags, uh, laundry baskets. I'm not kidding; they they filled the bottom laundry inch baskets. with yeah, yeah, with 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 fuel. I couldn't believe it. And I saw like you know cut in half ice cream pails. I've seen all sorts of stupid things. I'm like, what are you thinking? But I guess when people are panicked and stressed and whatever, I guess they don't think right. And they if they're not used to having to carry extra gas around. Um, but there was tw- the toilet paper people were out and about because uh, the same people that get like 15 cases of toilet paper during a crunch, they saw one person that decided to fill their 25 jerry cans during the gas crunch, not beforehand. So mm. anyway, <laughs> does, does but, the uh, gas stations sell like jerry cans? Just I bought one. It was cheaper just, than Canadian you know. Tire. Wow. Uh, yeah, usually they're just the one gallons though, because usually it's they sell you the little one gallon so you can get back to your car because you've mm-hmm. run out of gas and then make it to the gas station. It'll fit more than your laundry hamper will. Generally, yes. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe they like the fumes. Maybe they're just they, they're hoppers oh, on the side. I don't know. That that is an option. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's like yep. It makes your driving adventure more fun, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I just I, I just shake my head. Like, I mean, this is not the first time. Like, I mean, it's been happening since the days of Jimmy Carter that they've had gas shortages down there, and yet uh, people still haven't figured out the how to how to transport gas safely. I guess. But the fact the government put out a warning for it made me giggle. That is good. Yikes. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> all I uh, So my news article is springboarding off the uh, Colonial Pipeline incident. And apparently they paid a $5 million ransom to the uh, dark side, supposed Russian hackers that uh, started all of this mess. Um, so that we can have a whole... shockingly low. Yeah, that's why I, I was saying, like, I, Alan and I think myself and a couple other guys were discussing this. It's like, they could have gotten a lot. It's like, almost like Dr. Evil level of, like, under underestimating. One that. million dollars. <laughs> yeah, everybody's <laughs> laughing. He's like, what? That's it? Okay, here. <laughs> like, they're not even going to pursue them for five million, which I kind of get. But by the same token, they could have got away with a lot more. And supposedly, the dark side group has dismantled and disappeared out into the ether, which makes you think it might have not just been a group of random hackers. But anyway, I don't know. <laughs> What do I know? <laughs> so, as as the kids would say these days, that's rather sus. Yeah, <laughs> sure. You could maybe finish the sentence, but whatever. No, <laughs> syllables are hard. That's not how kids talk. Right. Okay. Uh, Steven's got a good point here in the live chat when we were talking about the, the Jerry cans being sold at the gas stations. Yeah, you're right. They probably ran out of supply. So. Oh, yeah. I'm sure every every gas station probably only has one or two for sale at any given time. And if they sell it, they yeah. order it and a new one shows up next week. But yeah. I mean, the simple fact is that if after the last year between pandemics and, and economic shenanigans and everything else, if you haven't become a prepper on a small scale, at least by, by this point, we can't help you're, you. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> when, you're beyond saving. Yeah. When COVID was going on, one of the things that scared my wife the most was like, look at the price of gasoline where the price of gas had dropped by half. I'm like, this is real. <laughs> yep. that, that first couple of weeks when everyone was just locked in their houses, like, mm-hmm. that was the barometer that this is happening. Well, when they're, they're, for a while there, they had places that were paying people to store their gas for them on ships. So, because yeah. all, the, all the tanks were full everywhere, right? 
Um, oh, so the price went negative briefly on the stock market. Yep. I really miss the days of 78 centiliter gas. I really do. <laughs> you guys are almost to our level, aren't you? Uh, there was a there was a dollar twenty seven in town the other day. Yeah, uh, uh, BC prices where I am at about a buck thirty six. Yeah, yeah, it's about nice. a buck buck forty I think right now here. So, but you're getting there. Rookie numbers, yep. you'll you're working. Yeah. On it. <laughs> Don't worry, we're working on it. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Something to aspire to. That's right. <laughs> so I've got a news article here. Um, it's in regards to earthquakes and warning systems and how Canada sucks about it. So, yeah, apparently we're cheap. Uh, there's a, a warning system now in place for uh, Western U.S. on the West Coast. And, uh, yeah, not for us. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. it's uh, tied into people's cell phones, tied into people's ham radios, everything. Uh, and they've set up a system where basically you can subscribe to whatever you want. And they'll tell you as soon as they know something's coming, you'll get a like a, basically a first mover advantage on that one. And uh, which might only need 10 seconds, but at least it's something, right? Yeah, um, nothing. And but the for some reason, for the sake of just a few pieces of software, maybe a few pieces of hardware, and you know, I don't know, a mass emailer, I guess we can't do that. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll just blame Seems COVID, up. I suppose. Yeah, awfully, yeah. awfully cheap on our part. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Jeff, you got a news article? Well, oh, you got- um, you've you've got the one there at. Um- just about, I've got a couple, but there, so there's the one there about Line 5 Enbridge's uh, Line 5 pipeline never did get shut down. It is still uh, going and they are defying, um, I guess, Michigan's threat. But uh, the uh, governor did say that she is going to court to, quote, lay claim on its contents. Hmm. Basically meaning she's put Enbridge on notice that she'll be seeking its profits if they continue to operate the line. So well the shit show is still going on, and we'll we'll see what uh, we'll see what comes out of that. But outside of that, it's kind of really been sort of radio silence on the the whole thing. At Wednesday, come and gone, there was that one release, and it's there's really been nothing else. Well, they uh, it's, it's kind of funny because they had a court order to stop the pipeline. The pipeline owner just said, gave the middle finger and said, "Ah, uh, we'll pass. We'll just keep operating." <laughs> and then, of course, she's desperate for revenue because of the whole economic shutdown business in in Michigan. So now she's yeah, she's trying to get the profits from it just for free money. And it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes as far as like a standoff. But I don't yeah, know. well, it's also Thank interesting you. when you look at all of the different affected areas. I think Ohio is going to have more job losses than anywhere else because of this and so there's so many different stakeholders that have reason to want the pipeline to carry on yeah there were a couple of a couple of states and you're right ohio was one i think maybe i think indiana was one of them too that publicly come out and said you do that and you're you're screwing us worse than you're than them so We'll see. Huh? And the other article that I have, don't shoot me. It's from the Toronto Sun. I know, I know. Uh, you don't have to say enough. Uh, here we go. But it's basically, um, you know, continuing on what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. It's Warren Kinsella basically putting out a bit of an op-ed or whatever, however he words it, and basically says in every way, Bill C-10 is wildly unconstitutional. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> I was going to say, that newsletter is wet. <laughs> Yeah. So wait, wait a minute. Wait, water's wet. Yeah. Holy. So the, the real question is, even if it is completely unconstitutional in every way, shape, or form, since when has that ever stopped this particular government from doing something? Well, that was going to be my comment. Never. Is it? 
I I think it's I think it's going to happen. Quebec wants it really bad, uh, just so that they can put a little bit more of a clamp down and have their French content. So with the Liberals in the block on side, I think there's I think they'll get it through. They just gotta word it a little bit better so that you don't think you're being censored when you really are. They just gotta figure out a way to word it so that it doesn't sound like you're being censored when you are. Sounds like the government. Yeah. No. It's actually kind of funny because Warren Kinsella used to be like the, the biggest apologist for the Liberal Party, like all the way through the 90s, early 2000s, everything else. And all of a sudden now he's turned right around and he's like, yeah, he's actually calling a spade a spade, which is nice to see. He's, there've been a couple of good articles out of him lately. Mm-hmm. But, anyway. He saw the light. At least I hope he did. Maybe. <laughs> or a broken clock thing, you know. Yeah. Could be. Shall we move into what we've done lately for preps? Go for it. All right, so for myself, did some truck maintenance. So new spark plugs and wires are in. Thanks to Jeff for the uh, the loaning of a little extension for my sockets. Without that, I would still be out tinkering with the truck. Uh, Getting ready for the fishing trip. So uh, we do uh, a couple of fishing trips out in the backcountry in the summer. And uh, the first one's coming up in a couple weeks. So got the boat out of storage, got it all ready to, to roll, checking out all the gear, making sure everything's good to go and we should be good to disconnect and get out in the middle of nowhere if the government opens up Crown Land uh, in the next couple of weeks. And if they don't, well, we'll come up with another plan. Do they actually have a, do they have a restriction on Crown Land access right now? They do right now. A camping overnight stays on Crown Land are banned right now. Oh. In Ontario, yeah. They didn't publicly, really publicly announce that, but if you look in the regulations, it's in there. Oh, so, all right. Yeah. What's your uh, fish of choice? Like, what are you guys after? Just like a walleye or? Uh, so it's usually beer battered. <laughs> the mascot, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's a drinking trip where some worms die. Yeah. Well, I can't say too much because according to a bunch of people I tell, we go fishing. <laughs> so it's going to be fishing. Yeah. <laughs> there is bass in there. There's some perch. So I've been told. Um, we catch the odd one here or there. It's uh, the name of the places. It's it's actually. Pickerel Lake, and nobody has ever seen a pickerel in it. So, nope. <laughs> go figure, eh? Nope. <laughs> but so that's uh, that's what I did this week. And... All right. Um, okay, so I can't remember. Like last week, did we talk about my uh, my engaging with the child labor? I don't think. Yeah, so. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, anyways, yeah. I couldn't remember if we had talked about stopping by the brass uh, by the range for the brass trip. Oh, but anyways, yep. Okay, we did. So, yeah, so I put my daughter to work on that. And, uh, yeah, been fantastic. Been uh, Actually, I'm currently cleaning some brass right now. Still, I've, I think we got – the count right now is about 7,000. So, that's nice. pretty cool. Yeah, that's the, hopefully it all sells. Anyway, we'll see. Um, okay, so first off, I guess I've been sitting in the uh, alternate location there for most of the week, so I haven't really been able to get a whole lot done. Um, but I did sit down and kind of plunk down on the videos for the advanced ham course, and I got to tell you, like, the first test, I was like – I made it through because only like an eighth of it was electronics. And I thought, oh yeah, no problem. I could power through that. And get, then we can talk about antennas and frequencies and regulations and all this other stuff. I was like, nah, it should be more of the same with the advanced. No, no, it's, it's all electronics. <laughs> yep, so it sure is. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm still trying to figure out if he's talking Greek, but anyway, he might be at times. Yeah. So I, I'm having a real tough time with it. So I was debating bailing it, but I was like, what would Jocko do? I'm like, no, 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 we don't quit. So power through. Well, yeah, yeah after 
power through. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. So I'm going to have to sit down and make a concerted effort. But I, it's very easy to not want to study it right now, which is a problem. So <laughs> I can do it. You can do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just <laughs> so I need some some gentle mocking on that at some point then. So um, I'm sure you guys will oblige. But anyway. Uh, so other than that, I was able to just kind of sit there and play with the chirp program a little more, getting, you know, some repeaters that are further out into the uh, lower Fraser uh, Valley there, uh, kind of programmed in that aren't really listed that well. And talk to Alan quickly, but we, we couldn't make your cable work there, which is kind of weird. Um, no, I, it's a driver issue, and it's it's a computer problem, not a radio problem. And Eric and I were going to link up on that, and it, I've been absolutely swamped the last two weeks so i'm trying to fit it in but it's a low priority yeah and i sat there and learned about some uh, lightning protection and grounding for the uh, ham radio setup because you know we're gonna have like a kind of a, a common ground setup in the in the shop here so i was kind of figuring out how to do that uh joined a couple nets that were sitting there going on uh, as best i could because you know why not i'm just sitting there right yep. uh other than that i received a package from rifle survival oh, look at <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> uh then i pretended yeah, so I got back here, finished unloading the truck from the little trip over there, and uh, of course did some shopping for stuff in bulk over there. Um, then when I got back, I had to pretend to be a globalist and quickly do some population control on the chickens and uh, take care of some excess roosters that got taken care of today. And then none of that, I just kind of yeah, settling down after being gone for a week, so not much else for me. Nice. I have a very generous wife and got a chainsaw. Uh, so I had oh, some uh, hey. some wood that needed attention on our property, and since firewood's kind of part of the long-term uh, what-if plan, it's a pretty good investment. Um, had to move about 40 tons of cr- crushed rock to deal with the culvert. <laughs> wow. Um, rented a bobcat, but ended up moving far too much of it by hand. <laughs> mm. Uh, and then the friends who helped my wife pick out the chainsaw suggested I get a lot of safety gear because they know me well. <laughs> I, I would recommend that as well. And, and it, it definitely, I don't know how many times I've been clunked on the head with a, a wayward branch uh, and the helmet has saved me from losing what precious few brain cells I have left. So definitely the, the helmet with the ear protection and face kind of mask built in, uh, but also the safety chaps. Like there's a lot to be said about those because it's not so much when you, first start ch- chainsawing for the day it's when you're like tired after four hours of it mm-hmm. and all of a sudden that blade just goes a swinging wildly and like just glances against whatever it's just nice to know that's there because even if it just saves you from a minor boo-boo it's worth it but yep. let alone the stuff that can kind of gunk up the chain <laughs> yeah like my internal organs yeah <laughs> no actually like, it's kind of funny like i'm not kidding so back when i was up in the nor- uh, northern saskatchewan there's this one like the village idiot anyway he was put on chainsaw duty and uh twice twice He's sitting there chainsawing a log straight down towards his leg, and literally the safety chap material was getting flung out the back of the chain. <laughs> and we're all like, "Stop, stop!" He's like, "What?" And he's pushing down towards his leg, and the whole I was like, "Oh my god!" And like, if it wasn't for the fact that those safety chaps gummed up his chain, he would have been a dead man twice. Uh, and so they're worth their weight in gold. I mean, they do save a lot of injuries. So. Uh, don't the, don't forget the safety sandals as well. Very important. <laughs> Steel-toed boots are important. Uh, <laughs> admittedly, going back to the whole C. Tom's episode, I did have my cat tourniquet in my back pocket. <laughs> That's a very good idea. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't feel right using a chainsaw without a beer and a smoke. <laughs> True. That is also yeah. uh, important safety equipment. Yeah, no. yes. for sure. <laughs> Sarcasm for people that don't get it. Yeah. Oh, uh, there. Uh, Brad's asking, what kind of saw did you get? 
still 16 inch uh, 42 cc um arborous friend of mine recommended the uh still is a great brand and uh sort of a, a couple of knowledgeable friends said oh, looking at your property that should handle through any of the trees uh, that you have to deal with so i'm pleased right on yeah i've got a, i've got i've got a still and i won't i won't go to anything else i had a, a different brand before and it it ended up blowing up but my still has been going for four years strong now. Never had a problem with it. Um, one of my good buddies, you know, has one that he got in high school and it's been serving him for 25 years <laughs> and still going strong. So I take that as a good sign. Yeah. Now just spare parts and uh, like owner's manual and spare chains, everything else. Make sure you got them all. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I still need the spark plugs and the safety chaps. <laughs> Um, but my, uh, again, the ge generous wife did the case and the extra oil and the, uh, 50 to one oil. And so nice. we're, we're pretty well set up. Spare right chain. Very nice. Yeah. Well, I had a, uh, for the second week in a row, so I got to get my act together. I had a bit of a not so productive week. I just did a whole bunch of yard cleanup, did, uh, Help Eric there a little bit. Made sure that the uh, the beer fridge was cold, and um, beer fridge some, is empty uh, now. <laughs> not my fault. I'm not going <laughs> oh, okay. to admit it. Sure. And I did some. I have done some studying for the ham test, so I'm probably probably going to take a shot at it sometime within the next couple of weeks. Nice. Awesome. So hold you to that, Jeff. Okay. The, the trick isn't how much you do. The trick is how you articulate it, like Ian. You can take right. up a full. You get. You could have taken up a full page if you did done that yard work and just stretched it out over the individual tasks. It would sound like a whole lot more. See, he's onto me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eaves troughs and gutters and downspouts. That is correct. Yeah. That's a lot of work. That is. <laughs> well, then in that case, I guess I was the busiest of all. <laughs> <laughs> and raking and mowing and yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. um, I've been doing mostly focusing on my um, on my garage so the demolition is slated for the 31st and it still has all my cool stuff in it uh, which I am on my which I'm, I'm really desperately trying to change so that when the when the excavator comes it doesn't take all my cool stuff with it um, did however this evening attend Is that me or is that Alan? No, oh. he stopped for me too. Uh, All right. I've been working a lot. Oh. So trying to get my radio set up. One uh, At some point, I'll look up with Eric and we'll be able to figure out the problems that I'm having, which I know it's it's a, it's an operator to apparatus interface error, and I just need a little bit more training to make it work. All right. I'm just going to fill in while Alan's pigeons took a break there. So you attended the beginning of the Adventure Smart presentation training thing? His pigeons have walked again. Oh, so Alan's training to be an Adventure Smart trainer. Uh, and Adventure Smart is basically, uh, I guess, hiking and biking and going out outdoors responsibly, including like filing like trip plans and stuff. And uh, yeah, he's busy doing training for that. Yep. All right. Cool. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, while he gets his pigeons sorted out, let's uh, move yeah. into the main topic, shall we? All right, so why are we talking about this? I know not everybody lives in the earthquake zone, but again, as we've discovered, you may indeed travel to one. So, yeah, this can apply to pretty much everybody in Canada, despite what 
people may think. So it's just good uh, information to have, something to think about for sure. And uh, yeah, so let's get into it. Yeah. I guess first things first, uh, we've all heard about the Richter scale. Who knows what it means for, for reals? <laughs> the level of shaking you're going to experience? Yeah, the scariness level. Yeah. Nope. Um, the the it, factor. Yeah, it is not logarithmic. Uh, like, you know, a one, two, three, four, five thing. It's more of an exponential thing. So when they talk about like each step in the Richter scale, like from a scale of basically one to nine plus, uh, each step is 10 times more powerful as far as what they call amplitude, which means how much ground shaking goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, which is fine. But the problem is every step releases 32 times more energy than the previous step. So for example, like uh, I do believe a one on the Richter scale is a hand grenade. And then moving up the scale, like if you can go 4.5 on the Richter scale, it can be measured anywhere in the world. Uh, but for example, number two is just a World War II sized bomb. And then all the way up to number five is a Nagasaki sized bomb. So a city shaker. And then after that, it just starts going uphill real fast. And then when you get to nine on the Richter scale, it's like absolute destruction. So there's assuming pretty much every building's either going to be heavily damaged or flat. And it can actually even change the landscape like California style. So Ooh. anything above seven and you start getting serious and every decimal point after seven basically becomes like scarily more powerful because you're talking about like kilonewtons worth of force being or kilonewtons, kilotons worth of TNT. Sorry. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. So basically, as soon as you start hitting the eights and nines, you're talking about like definitely noticeable at that point. Because like there's one off Chile uh, last two years ago, I think it was. And it was, yeah, even though it was 100 miles offshore, like the buildings in, in Santiago and stuff were just heavily damaged and stuff. So pretty crazy stuff. Um, hmm. So I guess we're anticipating a big one here, but I just want to emphasize too for people in Canada that it's not just a BC thing as much as we like to joke about it out here. No. Um, it turns out you guys have some seismic zones out east as well. I actually didn't know yeah. this until last week, but uh, you have one in the uh, Wolf River or Riviere du Loup area um, called the Charlevoix Seismic Zone. And you guys have had a magnitude 7 earthquake there before. And also in western Quebec near uh, basically, uh, I guess, north, just east of North Bay, Kind of that area, yep. like uh, mm -hmm. but on the on the Quebec side, and uh, it's had a magnitude six before. So See, I would have thought that that's just Quebec trying to separate. Well, maybe they're just trying to pry that border <laughs> with a uh, pry bar or something. I don't know. Gotcha, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had to know. get that Canadian joke in there. Sorry, it's just, had to. Happen. Yeah, but yeah. So I mean, okay. So elephant in the room is BC, right? So yep. BC, of course, has the biggest earthquake issue. Uh, but this can, ha you know, apply to basically anywhere you travel, like. Um, you know, I've been personally sitting in Tokyo when one goes off. I've uh, I've had a couple here that barely even felt. But uh, my wife sat through the Kobe earthquake in Japan one time, and yeah, they're 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 pretty scary when they start shaking buildings. It's pretty crazy. Uh, BC is planning to have a 9.2 on the Richter scale quake offshore uh, within 100 miles of the island. So that's a big one. Uh, that's gonna be like a if it is anywhere closer than that to land it could plan to flatten everything on the west side of the island for sure um the reason being is that basically if you've all heard of the san andreas fault uh well basically it carries on past san francisco and goes into the ocean and basically when it goes into the ocean it becomes the cascadia subduction zone it's the exact same fault line it, there's no difference so we're actually subject to what people would call the san andreas fault and basically it does produce 3,000 earthquakes a year in bc Wow. How many a year? 3,000. Wow. Most of them you don't feel, of course. But I mean, most of them are just like, you know, 
anywhere from two to three, four on the Richter scale. And I mean, they're usually under the ocean. So, I mean, like what's right. going to get damaged, right? But a, a couple times here, like I've actually got some cracked tiles in my bathroom from when we, just after we moved here, we had, I think it was a five point something. And basically just, it caused my house to shift like a quarter inch and one half of it. And so it just cracked a couple tiles and that was it. Um, and then basically, yeah, we've had a couple ones that I didn't even know as I was driving along, cause it was in the truck and of course it has good shocks yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, but of course the radio goes off and people start talking about it and stuff. But, uh, we did have an 8.1 here in 1949, which is the most recent one. Uh, however, the last big one we had, which they figure was over nine on the Richter scale was back in 1700. And it was interesting. The fact that, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of people here at the time in 1700, but lots of native folklore talks about it and they did get, so a lot of villages taken out because uh, they actually talk about which villages did and didn't survive. And hmm. basically the villages that were about 75 to 80 feet above sea level uh, were the ones that survived. And anybody below that got taken out and Japan records it the exact day, which I think was July 2nd or something like that. And it was special for them because they got a big ass tsunami hitting Japan, but they had no associated quake there. So just out of the blue, like, you know, tsunami style down in Indonesia back in 2000 and was it three? I think it was um, on that. Yep. Yeah. They had that big one hit and same idea with Japan, but they had absolutely no idea it was coming because they had no quake. And so it was obviously like a 12 hour later after the one here hit the coast of Japan and took out a bunch of people there. So pretty big deal. Hmm. Uh, the, so the Cascadia earthquake is a big thing. And there's some like washout water lines in Alaska. You can see where basically the, the tsunami had come along and, and wiped out everything clean below that. And so, yeah, it's a big thing. So yeah, I talked about what else uh, I've been through, but, yeah, not much for me. Uh, have you guys been through any earthquakes overseas or anything? I thankfully have not. But looking at what you're talking about here in the last big one being like 1700 out your way, we're due. Yeah, it, yeah. It, they, fig- <laughs> they figure it actually is. It's uh, They said every two to 300 years. So we're already past 300. So like, okay, yep. I do. It's coming. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah. So we can talk a little bit more about that for sure later on. But uh, yeah. I guess first off, earthquake preparedness. So I uh, yep. I went to the BC government website just to see what they had to say about it, which was actually kind of more entertaining than anything else. But um, the best <laughs> did they advice, start out with toilet paper? They did not. Okay, but good. what they did do is they actually like totally ripped off a 1950s atomic bomb preparedness uh, video. Instead of duck and cover, oh. they came up with drop cover and hold on. <laughs> <laughs> drop cover and hold on. <laughs> oh, that's going to do well. Um, huh. yeah, it sounds so horrible. But they're like, get down on all oh, fours, geez. try and sit under a table oh, and just hold on and make the bad man go away. The comments. Like, no, no yeah. not going there. Nope. <laughs> you know, Oh, what's wrong? You don't see anything funny. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did bring up a good point, which I thought was good. Don't, they say, don't call 911 to tell me you had an earthquake because they probably know. <laughs> I'm gonna guess that they probably have a pretty good idea, yeah. But but the best part is, like, if they have to tell people not to fill shopping bags with gas, I'm pretty sure they probably have to tell them not to call nine one one to tell them there's an earthquake happening. But I'm pretty and, sure they're not gonna listen to either. Yeah. So the Northridge <laughs> earthquake down in California, I guess they had problems with that because when that big one hit back in, I guess it was ninety four, ninety six. Um, instead of people actually calling to say, "I've got a you know compound fracture, or my my husband's got an arterial bleed or something," those people couldn't get through because there's thousands of people calling to say we just had an earthquake yeah, did you know there's an earthquake <laughs> so you can imagine the dispatcher uh frustration with that sure some people can appreciate that <laughs> yep uh, so darren in the live chat here says the toronto experienced a 5.1 in 2013 well there you go there See? you go so it's, i mean I that's not exactly a building that. yeah. it's not exactly a building leveler but still it's gonna be noticeable and 
Yep. Especially when you don't when you're not used to them, right? You you wouldn't feel anything on over under like four point seven or something, right? But to those of us who live in the flatlands where there's where it's not normal, that's um, that's a lot. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, the first time I would, I got one in Japan, I think it was like a five point something. So it was like a nothing burger. But for me, I was just laying in bed and I, I started to get shook, right? And I was like, so I thought somebody was shaking me awake. And I was like, what, what's your problem, man? And I was like, who's in my room? Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, I was like, oh, I guess that was an earthquake. And everybody else is just kind of milling around, nothing, nothing big. But yep. yeah. It was the zombie apocalypse and you just didn't know it. Yeah. Yep. I wish. <laughs> uh, not, I wouldn't want to be stuck in Japan for that. It'd be horrible. No. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no double barrel shotguns or anything. <laughs> All right. Uh, so they did mention on the, the site, yeah, be careful of aftershocks. Well, again, that shouldn't be a surprise to most people, but I guess to some people it would be. I mean, you're not going to just have one earthquake. You're going to have a big one and either a bunch of small ones before or after or both. Yep. That's the thing. Well, some of the, some of the aftershocks could get near to the size of the original one. Yep. Well, yeah, and sometimes it's actually just a, almost like a feedback loop that happens. And uh, so, yeah, it can cause – buildings are already damaged. It can cause them to fall because now they're damaged. They, they have less earthquake protection built into them. So it'll take a lower shock to actually bring it down. So that is a yep. thing. Yeah, uh, careful around too. Yeah, so actually this uh, – while I was doing this uh, episode up, I was sitting in Richmond, of course, and Richmond is ground zero for soil liquefaction, which is a huge issue for the lower mainland of B.C., because basically they say, don't build on sand. Well, it's pretty much two thirds of the lower mainland is basically one big river delta, which is sand. So <laughs> soil liquefaction with an earthquake for, for the listeners, I guess you guys probably know about this. So basically when the earthquake goes off, it's kind of like when you have your vibratory tumbler with your brass for the bullets and stuff. As soon as you start having a shaking force in that, what happened to the brass, it sinks right into the sand, right? And so what will happen is the stronger the quake, the more likely, no matter how good the foundation is, the building will either sink straight down or topple and then sink in, which yeah. is a problem. So what it does is it, it puts pressure on the, the, the groundwater that's already shallow because it's a river delta. And so now it turns that already wet sand into like liquid sand. And yeah, then the surface loses like surface tension. And yeah, that's the end of pretty much entire cities. If you have like a seven or higher right over the city. So this is why we we saw all those videos about quicksand when we were kids. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Just so I, we can I, understand how that works. I was like, well, I'm I'm a, I'm ten feet up. That should be good. I'm like, no, yeah. uh, no, that's that's not good. You're not um, so UBC actually has an article here. I put in the show notes that uh, has the liquefica- liquefi- liquefaction danger zones for uh, the lower mainland, and it shows basically parts that will sink into the ocean, parts that won't. And it was actually a good read. There's a little map, and there's a little write-up, and um, it's just very interesting. I mean, there's obviously some high ground. There's some stuff that's, like, more rocky than, than muddy. Um, for example, the entire north shore of Vancouver is going to be fine because it's built on a mountainside. They just have to worry about landslides, I guess, afterwards. <laughs> that's going to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they, at least they won't sink into the sand first. That's good, yep. Yeah, that's yeah. a plus. That's a blast. It sounds more like outrunning the outrunning your buddy than outrunning the bear. It doesn't really solve the problem. <laughs> but at least we're not sinking. We're just getting you know covered in yeah. rock avalanches. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's actually like if you look over most of the mountains in BC, you can see where they've had like landslides just due to erosion. Well, that would be the same thing if there's any loose loose gravel in earthquake, right? You just have it all kind of funnel down, and that would be that. So, um, okay, so yeah, they actually do mention on the government website have a realistic bug out bag. Um, and I put realistic in there for my purposes because you can't have just ammo in there. 
Do they actually call it a bug out bag? That means I gotta redo the whole thing. But uh, they called a grab and go bag. Uh, that was close to bug out bag. Close, close enough for the government, I suppose. Yeah. And they actually even go out of their way to give you a nice little contents list. So I put that in the show notes oh. as well because they should say, you know, everybody should have a grab and go bag. So in case of an earthquake, um, you can take this bag and survive for 72 hours. I love this 72 hours thing. They're never going to, if you have a major earthquake in the lower mainland, do you think you're going to get fed by the government in 72 hours? No. No. Anyway, so to get water to the super maybe 72 days. <laughs> 72 days is more realistic. Um, so yeah. Even that, you're lucky. And basically what it boils down to is, you're, okay, you're not going to have water because the water mains are probably going to get broken. You're not going to have food delivery happening and you're not going to have any means of heating or like, you know, get drying yourself off. So obviously you're going to have to take care of that yourself. That's so, fine. I'll call Uber Eats. We're fine. Call himself, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they'll deliver it on their Segway for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> over yeah, over yeah. the broken sidewalks and, and the, the subducted uh, buildings. I'm sure they else. have a backup plan. Maybe they got high, high flotation Segways. I don't know. They just, uh, I don't know. Anyway, <sighs> what else can you do? Uh, comms plan. So mm-hmm. as a reminder, text messages always get through eventually. You can send them. They might take a while, but uh, expect phone lines to be completely jammed up. They're not going to happen. Um, travel plans. Roads will be impassable, whether they be covered in wet sand or broken up into pieces. Uh, you can plan to not be able to drive too far. So by groups. Yeah, or really dumb mm-hmm. drivers panicking to get out of town because the earthquake happened 45 minutes ago or something. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, bike routes maybe is an alternative way of uh, doing things, even if you have to walk out or whatever, just get to some high ground because in certain spots of BC, you have to worry about tsunamis, but we'll talk about that in a second. And the other thing to th- be thinking about is that bridges may be out and not even so much collapsed, but the engineers will get a hold of it and say, well, liability reasons alone, we can't let people cross this bridge because there may be a hairline crack we can't find. Yep. Bridge is closed. And places like Vancouver, and even where I am, there's probably like nine bridges between me and Nanaimo. So yeah, that's that's a problem too, right? Like I mean, all it takes is for one bridge somewhere to be closed off because uh of uh, lawyers getting worried and you're done. So yep. well, I think I recall one of the first episodes that I was on, we talked about getting home and mm-hmm. we talked and I, and I talked about pinch points and why you need to yep. be aware of them and, and have a plan to get around them. Yeah, I mean, yep. it is truly a thing, especially like this one. Oh, uh, Steve, uh, you're asking about insurance. We'll get, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. It's actually very fascinating. Uh, let's see here. Should I break out the pillow now, or <laughs> no? It's actually, I know when you're drunk enough for you for something to be fascinating. Insurance can be interesting. I tell you. Um, so we talk about bridges. Let's see here. We actually have a legit use for a dust mask, other than you know trying to prevent a microscopic viral disease. Um, Obviously, buildings come down, roads get torn up, there's going to be dust in the air. So if you're trying to get like through a building to rescue somebody, get out of a building, probably not a bad idea to have a decent dust mask on you because who knows if they're in a really old building, it might be asbestos dust too. That's a thing. That is still a thing. Uh, if there's a small I've been, fire. I've been saying for the last year, there are a lot of good reasons to wear a mask. The virus yep. spread is not one of them, but there are a lot of good reasons to wear a dust mask. <laughs> Exactly. And small fires in the building may lead to, come on, Alan. Oh. Carbon monoxide. (laughs) Not that the dust mask will prevent that, but I mean, it is. I was just going to say. Dust mask won't do anything for carbon monoxide, but it is a danger to be, you know, cognizant of. And same thing, fire extinguisher. Small fires can start. Maybe you just decide to have a romantic dinner with your wife. You got a little couple candles going. Earthquake happens. 
tablecloths on fire. Well, fire extinguisher would be great to have after you get up from your stop, drop, and roll or whatever the hell they came up with there. Yep. <laughs> Wait, are you uh, on fire? Yeah, or if I could be on fire, yeah. Yeah. Wife, yeah. wife could spray me down with a fire extinguisher. would be great. Yeah, uh, okay. They do mention securing your water heater and large appliances. I would be more yeah. worried about bookshelves myself, but uh, they say are that, those yeah. still a thing? Yeah, but if my bookshelf falls over, it's not going to flood my all my stuff. True. Um, maybe you should the, not worry about your bookshelves, but you should also worry about your water heater. Yeah, more and more with them falling over, I think, is the supply lines. A lot of them are rigid supply lines. So, yeah, you could actually break the gas supply line or the water supply line or whatever. So they do say that, you know, flexible supply lines may be a good aftermarket addition on your part, as well as, like, trying to put some, like, steel, what do you call that, uh, that, that plumber's, like, strapping. Three and four, yeah. strapping, thank you. Uh, something like that would be great. Um, put a lip on your shelves. So if you have uh, like a bunch of canned goods on your shelves or homemade canning and preserving items, put a lip on it so they don't shake right off. Uh, if they don't topple, of course. Uh, obviously a high need for plastic containers versus glass because they can bounce a couple of times. Yeah. Especially, especially if you like peanut butter and stuff, you got to make sure it's on plastic, not glass. Uh, that just put heavy stuff low on the shelves, not high up. I guess saves from some hilarity happening when it falls open in. doors really slowly afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they remind us to know our gas, water and electrical shutoffs. That's common. That's sense. good for, for anything that applies for a lot of stuff. But yep. again, I think you could probably do your, your, if you're living in an apartment building or a, a tight knit community with zero lot lines, probably do your neighbors a good favor and shut off your, your stuff too afterwards, because who knows what's going to catch or go off or whatever, because mm-hmm. you might not smell it in time. Yep. And, this does seem obvious to most people, but try to put like heavy glass framed pictures above your bed. If you live in an earthquake zone <laughs> <laughs> for reasons, <laughs> I was oh, like, boy. let's get a mental I'm, picture on that. I was like, we're, yeah. we're not going after that one either. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying we should, we shouldn't do that. I'm saying that we should maybe just remove a few warning labels and let nature take its course. I think we would all be smarter as a result. Yeah. Like the average IQ would, would raise a little. So that mm. so that that hammer collection I had on the shelf without a lip above my bed is, is probably a bad idea. Oh, no, the hammers were great. Oh, and, 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 and my anvil collection too. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, you, but yeah, that's yeah. You should probably secure the anvils. Yeah. yeah the hammers. Right. I'm I'm just not touching that one either. And just yeah. No. I was hoping for at least a Bugs Bunny joke or something, but you got to go all the way extra to that. Uh, yeah, go back mind. to the hammers and they're over yeah. your bed. And I just, yeah. we, what happens in your place stays in your place. That's right. Don't yeah. judge me. Nope. Um, this is why we put you in on an island. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually referred to it as the prison island to my daughter the other day, and she kind of looked at me and she was like, you're not wrong. You know, because like, she got a week in the city out of it, and then she came back here, and she it was like going back to Alcatraz for her. I was like, aw, city girl. Anyway, <laughs> um, okay, so insurance. Let's talk about that. Here we go. Um, yeah. Nap time. This is kind of nap time, but it's pretty bad when the government says, we will not assist you financially in case of earthquake. Uh, we have an emergency fund for like floods, fires, uh, you name it. But the one thing we will not assist anybody for financially is earthquakes. So wow. naturally, and I was like, wow, they put that right in black and white. I was like, that's a bad election <laughs> promise. Uh, however, it's realistic. I'll give them that. Um, by the same token, though, you could buy extra insurance around here for your house in BC. However, it basically doubles the cost of your house insurance. And 
they, there's a bunch of exclusions on it because we took a look at it as well. So here's the problem, like uh, using 9-11 as an example. So they had a bunch of insurance providers have claims happen against them in 9-11 and they were on the hook to, to basically be shelling out hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars at the time. So they basically took a quick look at it and said, what's easier for us? We can either pay out all these claims and lose a shit ton of money or just declare bankruptcy because we can't possibly pay it all this week and just not pay nobody. So they basically shut their doors, walked away with, with all the, the premiums from the previous year and didn't pay anybody anything. Now, I don't know if that's no. an American or a Canadian thing, like business-wise, like under certain like insurance laws or whatever. Yep. But basically, it was just easier for them to declare bankruptcy and not pay than, than to actually worry about paying back and recovering premiums down the road over the course of the next 20 years or whatever. Jeez. So I have a, a huge skepticism, believing that any insurance company that's going to charge you that much will actually pay if the entire lower mainland gets taken out with an earthquake. And they're going to have to be on the hook for like four or five million uh, claims. Yep. I can't see them paying. Honestly, I, I think they'll just figure a way to not do it because they'll just declare force majeure or something and they didn't see this coming and yep. all that other stuff. I, just, I don't think they're going to do it. So There's probably a clause somewhere in the fine print that says earthquake coverage does not cover earthquakes. <laughs> Nothing would surprise well, me. It's, it's, it's funny you mention that. So here's, here's my quick little insurance rant. So um, I obviously don't live in a earthquake zone. So my garage floor started cracking and heaving. So I called my insurance company and they said, oh, you're not covered. That, that's all they said. Oh, you're not covered. I'm like, pardon? Yeah, it, uh, section whatever, subsection whatever, part C, line 14 says, you're not covered by what they call, quote, earth movement. That's the only two words, earth movement, mm -hmm. which could be anything. But um they, they sent an inspector over and he was here less than five minutes. He walked in, looked at it, went, yep, I think that's earth movement. You're not covered by, and they left. And I'm on the hook for, I appealed it. And unfortunately I was unsuccessful because they said, well, you signed the contract that says we don't cover earth movement. So I'm on the hook for about a 15 grand garage repair whenever I can get around to it. So, Well, I mean, the whole point of insurance companies is to not pay claims, right? Or else they don't make yeah. a profit. So... Yeah, if there is a way to... Yeah, but on, my, on my side of it, the whole thing is I didn't do anything wrong and I there was yeah. no negligence on my part and I've duly paid my bills every year and then yeah. when I do need some assistance, they go, bye-bye. And not only that, but if you, did, if you did make a claim and they paid it you know, dutifully, they just increase your premiums and then get it back off you in five years anyway. Yes. Oh, yeah. so, and if you make two claims within five years, you're uninsurable and don't ask me how I know that. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. How, how do you know that, Alan? Because insurance companies never lose, right? So honestly, yeah. I there is earthquake insurance yeah. av available, but in real in reality, if something that big happens on the West Coast, no, <laughs> you're not going to get money from an insurance company that that's headquartered in I'm not going to say Toronto, but headquartered elsewhere and doesn't care, right? Like they just so Toronto. Got yeah, it. Toronto. I'm, just, yeah. I'm not saying Toronto, but I mean Toronto. <laughs> anyway. Right. It's, it's, the lesson here is it's far better to own the insurance company than to buy from the insurance company. Yep. Yeah. If, um, uh, if, even if the insurance company did hand you a big suitcase full of money, you look at the price of lumber right now. <laughs> just no, there's a little bit of demand because we're all stuck at home and you know everyone's trying to rebuild their decks and fences and whatever. What do you Guilty. think the price of lumber would be <laughs> in the event that, you know, everyone had to rebuild a house? Well, yeah, I mean, the replacement cost. That, 
that mills all the lumber isn't producing any. Yeah. And not only that, but replacement costs, what's in your insurance premium probably is nowhere near, like you said, based on the current building material costs, it would never cover it. So I think in something like that, you'd pretty much be on your own no matter what. So that's it. Um, so associated with earthquakes, actually, just a quick question. So as far as the uh, Haiti earthquake goes there, Scott, mm-hmm. um, how, how big was that one? Do you remember how big that was on the Richter scale? Uh, I believe it was like a 7.0, uh, but it was basically right uh, right close to Port-au-Prince. And uh, I mean, I was going to talk about it in my section, but it was really interesting. The level of devastation really had a lot to do with the level of poverty and building code and building materials, uh, looking at the difference between what the poor locals were living in versus uh, sort of big corporate buildings that were built to kind of North American standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the build, big corporate buildings, sure, they broke some windows, but they were fine. Um, it was all of the poor, uh, you know, where we would have five concrete columns you couldn't wrap your arms around full of rebar, they have two piles of cinder block. So the whole thing shifts and you get that cascading domino collapse of the entire building. And uh, so that was the result. So it's not that it was a, an exceptionally uh, strong earthquake, but it was really close to, like the epicenter was really close to Port-au-Prince and um, just the, the lack of building code. Yeah, I mean, actually, right in this area where I live, too, there's a place called Arrington, and up until two years ago, they actually didn't have a building code. So, yeah. <laughs> and I've, se- I've seen everything from, like, old logs supporting the size of houses to everything else around here, so you can imagine what's going to happen if a good shaker happens. They're going to stay standing, obviously. That old log is golden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's been here for thousands of years. It'll be fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay, so associated with the earthquakes around here we we always talk about the tsunamis and a lot of guys are around here joke about oh the you know it's going to come along and wash the whole island clean and everything else and yeah you do a little actually research about it and there's actually some good um, geological maps available as far as you know uh, tsunami threats uh, why each issue or why each area has high threats or low threats and basically what it boils down to is if you're on the east side of the island like i am you're fine and on the west side of the island, not so much. So like Tofino, Port Alberni, that whole thing, all the Queen Charlotte Islands, everything else. Yeah, they they get wiped clean for sure if there's some sort of major earthquake off the thing because they've got no screening in place, right? Whereas I've got the entire island on one side of me and I've got a bunch of small islands kind of like petering it out a bit. So there wouldn't be much more than an 8-inch wave coming our way, which is fine. <laughs> and uh, But if you want to see what the real tsunami would be like... Um, about that 2003 Indian Ocean earthquake, they have that movie called The Impossible with uh, Ewan McGregor. Um, that was actually an interesting watch as far as how sudden it comes out of there. And uh, I actually just watched a clip from it the other day, and it was like, oh, there's young Tom Holland before he became Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> so he was in the movie. And then, uh, yeah, actually, I was sitting in Hong Kong that day when that uh, tsunami happened. So we got the warning, but nothing came our way at all. Um, but I guess the easy solution is if you live 100 meters up, you're not going to get hit by anything because the highest one ever recorded so far has been 80 feet. So that's it. Challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> the ocean is currently saying, hold my beer. 
Oh my yep. beer. Uh, <laughs> what, what is the highest point of Vancouver Island? Uh, about 7,000 feet. Uh, it's called, oh, okay. Mount, it's called uh, Mount Aerosmith. And it's uh, basically, it's the highest point on the island. It's right, actually right behind me. And yeah, it's like, the, the, there's like a major spine going down the middle of the island. So it'd have to be like a 7,000 foot wave to get over the island towards me. <laughs> so uh, if, if they had that one, you wouldn't have to worry about insurance claims. Look at it that way. Like, Yep. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no claims. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so yeah, uh, a couple other sites I threw in there just before I forget. Uh, Seismic Canada, basically with the National Research Council, it has shows all the earthquakes that's happened in the last 30 days on any given area you want. Um, you can get some general information off the other link I put in there. And then the BC government has a uh, basically a recovery with preparedness plan, what you need to know about hazards and they have a tsunami info page and everything else. All going to go in the show notes for the people to take a look at on the podcast and be on the YouTube tonight as well. So yeah, some good reading if you're interested. If you live on the west side of the, the country, it's something to think about. And that's all I had. Very nice. Scott, nice. Yes. anything else? My name's in here, but I got nothing. I, I was just here for the color commentary. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Okay. Nothing wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else sad, Scott? Oh, yeah, I guess it helps if I turn my mute uh, off. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'd gone to Haiti to do relief work after the 2010 earthquake. Um, okay. We got there about a week uh, after the earthquake. There were still uh, major aftershocks going on. Um, there was a group of paramedics, doctors, and staff from uh, the charity that was based uh, here and down in Haiti. Uh, so we went just to do medical relief work. Um, we got there. The airport was being run by U.S. Air Force guys standing next to the runway because the building hadn't collapsed, but there, it was full of cracks. And there was no, uh, you know, you, you, no one died in the building, but no one wanted to die in an aftershock. Uh, there was still rubble in the streets, um, you know, getting around sort of as, uh, as Ian was saying earlier, was incredibly challenging. Um, and the, the damage to the buildings uh, varied from completely leveled to, you know, barely a scratch. It was really quite, um, quite fascinating. And so as I mentioned earlier, you look at some of the, the buildings that were built by you know, corporations that had money, not that Port-au-Prince has a whole lot of industry, um, but you know these international companies that are in there, and they're built to the expected North American building codes standards, and they were all fine. And it was the, the poorest Haitians who were living in tent slums didn't really suffer for it because if a tent collapses on you, you're okay their middle class really suffered because, you know, it's just poor cinder block construction, very weak uh, concrete and mortar because it's all made with very salty sand uh, and salt water. Um, so as a consequence, uh, just, just horrific crush injuries. Um, the level of disruption to infrastructure, I mean, we're, Ian, you'd sort of alluded to know where your uh, water, gas, and electric shutoffs are. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you look at all the fires in the San Francisco earthquake, 
Well, it's because you have all this movement, your gas lines get sheared, you have gas leaks everywhere. Mm-hmm. So as much as I would love to think that my natural gas generator is going to keep me powered, the reality is if I were running a gas company, I'd probably turn off the gas at that point. At, at the major junction, yeah. Like, yeah, you know, the, the big valve. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then sort of figure out what you need to repair in the meantime. So the reality is you're probably going to be without a lot of that infrastructure for quite a while. Well, and not even like them deciding to turn off the main valve. It might just be a fail safe where the power goes out or the, you know, there's a seismograph attached to it or whatever. Yep. And it would just be an automatic shutoff. And the fact until they sort things out and figure out what's going on and somebody actually turns it on for real, they just might be an automatic shutoff. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if I were designing it, that's the way I'd do it. <laughs> Yeah. So um, anyway, just absolutely fascinating when you look at the level of damage, the, the varying damage where, you know, like some buildings, whether they're on, you know, on a sand and you're seeing liquefaction and the whole thing tilts over, poor construction. Um, so it gives you a lot of respect for building codes, like thinking about hurricane ties. I mean, why do you need a hurricane tie? Because, yeah, someone might lift up on your roof or sort of <laughs> always assuming that gravity is downward. Well, if you've got an earthquake, all of a sudden it might be sideways for a couple of seconds. Or during a hurricane, you know, the wind might be pulling up on your roof. So see, seeing the value in that uh, was quite interesting. Well, that was very interesting, too, when the, the Haiti one happened. It was only seven, like you said, on the Richter scale. So imagine if it was like an eight or a nine, that'd be crazy. Like, it'd be way more devastation. But... They had the soil liquefaction happen, but because they have so many shanty towns built on the muddy hillsides, that also led to some problems too. Because they end up sliding right down into other neighborhoods, and and yeah. Oh, I mean, it was it was just absolutely catastrophic. And um, we went down to help one of our paramedics who had taken a leave of absence to um, to volunteer at a med- running a medical clinic down there before all this happened. Um, so we had, you know, some access to resources. Um, that was sort of how we, we got involved in it. Um, but in hearing his stories, uh, being, you know, in the intact medical clinic, uh, after this happened that they were just getting waves and waves of horribly injured people, um, you know, well beyond the resources of any healthcare system, uh, let alone that of a very poor country, um, you know, we were talking about uh, shelves earlier. Well, <laughs> we got there a week later, and all of their, their shelves from their stock room were still all toppled over. You know, they, they didn't have time to sort of tidy up because they were just treating patients. Um, so it, um, it's absolutely fascinating sort of seeing this stuff in practice and uh, whether... You know, that strong an earthquake applied to a Canadian city, you'd see as much damage. Hopefully not. But like you said, it's a it's logarithmic scale. So all of a sudden, you know, an eight or a nine earthquake, and you are going to see that catastrophic damage um, to a fairly wide area. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I could talk about it for hours, but you guys don't need to... <laughs> To hear all that moral of the so, story is yeah did you this stuff did you did you see like because there were a whole ton of aftershocks right and, and you said you were there while they were still happening um were you seeing that the like the damage pattern was kind of following the same um 
following the same direction each time or was were you seeing different you know was it was it shaking to the left one time and shaking to the right another time or uh i'm one of those people that doesn't really feel it like okay. you know we were kind of sitting around one evening we'd sort of been working at the the hospital all day and uh, we we're sitting around uh in the evening and you know you sort of look at there's a ceiling fan and it's wobbling up and down kind of funny Oh, I guess that must be an aftershock. So I have no reference to know how, you know, where on the Richter scale that, that little aftershock was, but you know, I wasn't quite as aware of it as some of the other people I was with that were just more attuned to it. Yeah, a lot of times too, if you think about like your cell phone vibrating, it doesn't really have a direction per se, but it's it's the same idea because you're, if you got depends if the plates are sliding, you know, side to side, one's going under the other, but they're both like going up or yeah, there, there could be all sorts of directions going to, but for the most part, it's just glorified cell phone vibrate and on steroids. <laughs> so excellent example of a wide scale disaster where we would be on our own for a uh, uh, for. <laughs> Fairly significant amount of time. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent. And, and even if you're not affected, your if, if your neighborhood is affected or or somewhere up to your up the supply chain is affected, then right, yep. even if Vancouver Island wasn't affected by an earthquake, but Vancouver is, all of a sudden you can't get equipment out to the out from the out onto the island. You're uh, you could be isolated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's certainly something to keep in the back of your head. If you're not in an area that is prone to earthquakes, doesn't mean it can't happen as well. So, something good to keep in your in your, your thoughts around, and for planning and poking around that uh, that website from that uh, Ian posted from uh, like Seismic Canada, whatever it's called, and um, like there are significant like significant five, you know five five or higher earthquakes. Um, that cover most of Eastern Canada. So it would be totally reasonable that um, ships, containers, trains, and trucks can't get through should something like that happen. Yes, um, just all takes the crack on the road, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, too, like a lot of people down the States, like this doesn't really apply to us at all, but of course, people are always talking about the Yellowstone supervolcano and all these other ones and, you know, the, the, the prepper porn fantasy ones. But the actual most likely earthquake to happen is nowhere near there or where we'd expect it on the West coast. It's actually the new Madrid fault in uh, basically along the Mississippi Delta. And, you know, you think of how much infrastructure, uh, gas supply lines, services go up and down the river, everything else. That'd be a pretty big deal if one happened there. Yep. I mean, and nobody talks about that one really, but except us, except for us, but because yep. we're paranoid, <laughs> but that's okay. but we're also not American. So, Hey, there you go. you're only paranoid until you're right. that's a good point well with that shall we move into the podcast challenge yes and for the podcast challenge uh this is a great reminder to check your bug out bag your grab and go bag your evacuation bag your get home bag whatever it is that you call it however wherever it is that it lives for you have that ready to go Earthquakes are one great reason, but there are a million others, and that should be able to sustain you until you can get somewhere else, and that should also be part of your plan. It might just be an emergency latte kit for some of the Vancouver types, but at least it's something, right? Exactly. (laughs) The first first rule of SAS survival is stop and make a tea. Yeah, at least you're caffeinated. (laughs) 
formulate your plan, everything else. Yeah. Uh, I did put the BC government list in there. It's pretty like elementary, really. It's, it's like almost like, you know, I hate to say it, but prepping for retards. <laughs> did I say that out loud? Oh, but anyways, yeah. oh, it was great knowing everybody on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to get us booted. Prepping for special needs preppers. How's that sound? Uh, I think that's not right either. fast, yeah. right? Keep it simple. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Laws so, of combat. What I'm saying, a basic list is available on the internet. Uh, I'm putting myself up there. Uh, but yeah, I'm working on it from there. What a good starting point. It's a good starting yep. point. Thank you. Yeah, it gives Thank you for saving me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move to upcoming events. So the Maple Seed events are still sort of going. Um, there's a link in the show notes there. Um, last time I checked, there were quite a few that were either canceled or full, but may end up being canceled depending on where they are and what's going to happen with, uh, the government lockdown, not lockdown, go outside, can't go outside, just make up their mind, whatever they want to do and pick a lane and stay in it. And I'll stop there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I'm not not laughing at you guys. We're probably on a week behind you, but. They just extended the thing in Ontario, didn't they? They did, yeah. Yeah, till the seventh uh, of June, I so, believe, Eric. Something like that, yeah, six or seventh, oh. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they, because I know a lot of maple seed events were planned before then. I think they've had to cancel a bunch already because yeah, of the Ontario yeah. extension. So. Yeah. I suspect it'll be extended again after that, but. Like, we will yeah. see. Um, so Canwarn is coming up uh, May the twenty sixth, seven p.m. Eastern. Rack is doing the uh, the Canwarn course, so. If you want to uh, learn about weather and clouds and tornadoes and all that kind of fun stuff, check it out. Right on. Uh, lots of notice. No excuse for not being ready for BC people in time. We have five months notice for the great BC shakeout. Uh, I do believe it's October 21st at 1021. So 1021 of 1021. Um, huh. And there's a link in there as well to how to participate in the great BC shakeout. And basically what it is, is earthquake preparedness, awareness, and kind of practice drills, I guess, kind of under the guise of testing your gear. Maybe it's worth thinking about. Wait a minute. Are we supposed to test our gear? Yeah, once in a while. Oh. Well, once again, brand new information. This show is full yeah. of tonight. <laughs> 117 episodes in. I don't yeah. think we've ever mentioned test your gear. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it's really kind of more of a commentary thing here, too. But, like, based on the pipeline, uh, infrastructure, everything else going on with their manufacturing issues, supply issues with the um, lumber and everything else. There's a big talk of like rice, the crops failing in the States this year from like problems from last year and this year. Um, yeah. So who knows? Let's talk about like commodity shortages coming to a theater near you. Probably be talking about more and more as uh, time goes on here, depending on the growing season. Cool. Yeah. That's what it. Hi. Deal of the week. Found a good one. Uh, everybody can afford this for their grab and go bag or bug out bag, whatever. The Cabela's folding knife, which is a inexpensive knife, I won't say cheap, uh, but good value for the money. Uh, right now they're on sale for five ninety nine, and they're only about like the blades maybe like two three inches long, whatever. But they're handy. They they're actually a good blade. I've got a couple of them, and they're so cheap you can put one put one everywhere. Like put one in every vehicle, every backpack, whatever. But are they on sale. like real inches or? internet inches well i'm gonna call six internet inches three real ones um but yeah so the link is in the show notes but yeah they're a good little life i i really enjoy them actually they're pretty handy to have 
And uh, I actually had tried to get another another person to come on here and talk about their three day grab and go bag, but they decided to jam on me. So I will get rid of that one. Yeah, that's it. Cool. We'll move in the shout outs. So anybody, anybody? Nope. Okay. So I've got a quick one oh. here for uh, E Matson. Uh, just mentioned in the live chat. It's their first time uh, tonight getting into the live chat. So welcome well, to the show. Glad, glad you glad you could get here. Uh, I want to shout out the uh, the team I went to Haiti with. I mean, granted, it was 11 years ago, um, but they're just some absolutely fantastic people, and uh, I uh, <laughs> it was very much a life changing experience. So I owe that gang a big thanks. Awesome. Yeah. All right, we will move into iTunes and email. So iTunes reviews and email. I'm reading it backwards here, but uh, all right. So we got an email from Joe and it just says, hello, uh, fellow preppers. Uh, thanks for the great show. Uh, it's quite relevant to Australia. So we're making it a fair distance. Uh, would the host be able to share their thoughts about help taking a year to arrive? Um, the book seemed realistic. However, it seems to me that aid from other countries would arrive in a few months or so. Perhaps I've misunderstood. Uh, you give me plenty of encouragement to be bo- more prepared. And regards, Joe. Interesting. Yeah, he had, I guess, in the subject line of that email, he had phrased it under the guise of like one second after, uh, yeah. you know, kind of, uh, I guess, in relation to that. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, that actually might make a good podcast episode. Uh, if you I think to, so, yeah. If you had to wait a year for help to arrive, what would you do or how would you make the things work? I'd yeah. buy multiple 72 hour kits, uh, toilet paper, <laughs> <laughs> drink a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd refer to the making alcohol uh, episode. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. I uh, know. Actually, we might get back to that. We'll uh, we'll talk about the yeah. post show for sure. I think that's actually a good yeah whole show topic for sure. Not just a quick uh, answer here in this section. So, yeah. thanks for the uh, the topic idea, Joe. I'll be coming now. Out um, just um, aid from other countries would arrive in a few months or so. Um, discuss that real quick if there's time i know we were running a little long but um we're already late so we can't be more late the uh um, like i know set a limit on the time um there are a lot there are lots and lots of countries that have um quick response teams so the canadian military is one of them they can deploy anywhere in the world in 72 hours they have literally like st- like packs that like crates that are ready to ready to launch onto a uh, onto a, a plane and go anywhere in the world um you'd be looking at a month or a week not a month but by the same token though that's that's for like short-term emergencies in localized areas if you had a whole like all of north america and you had to feed all of north america for months on end yes that's a whole different kettle or of fish right so entirely different the, problem. or say the yeah. planes don't work now yeah, uh, I guess or, or the, the airport, the airport runway's been damaged in the earthquake, and it's yeah. busted up, and you can't land. Yeah, no, that's yeah. That's, that's totally reasonable. I just, I'm saying it's more like a week than a month than months. Yeah, like long-term yeah. sustained aid for a large group of people is nobody's prepared for that. But short-term with small groups, absolutely. Yeah, like there's I, the United States always has a carrier on scene with every major disaster it seems. So it's like, and they have uh, enough goodies on board to keep people going. So, anyways, anyways. There we go. Cool. Well, stay tuned for that show topic because yeah, it's going to be a good one. Cool. But with that, I will bring episode 117 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. 
Uh, please help us out. Take a minute, submit a review. It does help other people find us as long as it's not a one star. I figured I'd rant on one stars here. I haven't done it in a while. That's true. It's been like 50 episodes since you've done that. <laughs> <laughs> we do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the uh, disaster that this is before it gets all polished, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. Gives you an alert when we're going live. You can find me, Alan, at prepperpodcast.ca. That's with one L. Uh, I suppose you could also like and follow our Facebook page, but I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. So um, do that or don't or whatever. I hear it's still there, kind of. I don't know who's on it or who's doing anything with it. But <laughs> if, if you manage our Facebook page on our behalf, could you let us know? We'd like to <laughs> yeah. do a quick shout out. <laughs> I think it's on autopilot. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> All right, Jeff, where can everybody get a hold of you? Just uh, generically at uh, feedback at proper, sorry, prepperpodcast.ca. Somebody else on this panel happens to know where I live, so I'm kind of stuck there. So, oh, hey. uh, pa- pass along any emails for me at the same uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Right on. You can reach me directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com and on both Gab and Odyssey at the Island Retreat. Uh, you can also find my Canadian Patreon podcast on iTunes and YouTube. You can also find, oh, wait a minute. Did I repeat myself? No, I didn't. Okay, here we go. You can also find me on a Canadian Patriot Podcast on Twitch and in the Discord group, Canadian Patriot Podcast. Uh, emails if you want to invite to the Discord group. There you can find us discussing why government and waste in society makes me hide under tables on all fours. Another new social media outlet. <laughs> oh, man. I, oh, the images are just nice. I got to drink more tonight. Uh, please check me out at rapidsurvival.com. Uh, you can get me there on the live chats. Uh, I'm not reading the part about OnlyFans. Come on. Really? No. <laughs> that wasn't working out. I got rid of that last week. Yeah. So uh, you can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, stay safe, be prepared, all that good stuff. And keep learning. Keep learning.